for us catholics first of all the sacred tradition the word of god lived by the community of faith and uh, that is handed down uh, from generation to generation from starting from christ uh, through the apostles so this uh, this is the sacred tradition so first of all the word of god for us the word of god lived by uh, the community of faith secondly it is uh, the sacred scripture so we have uh, give, we give a prominent place for scripture uh, in the in the catholic uh, life in the catholic theology and also in the uh, in our all aspects of our lives and to be we see it as a written word of god the word of god written down that is the sacred uh, scripture and third the magisterium the teaching authority of the church that uh, uh, that sort of unites these uh, both uh, the sacred tradition as well as sacred scripture and that explains how to live both the tradition and the scripture now here uh, today so the magisterium is the teaching authority that explain explains and also it uh, it guides uh, uh, the people uh, in in their current living situation so these three make up uh, this uh, one word of god and uh, the other the other term that we can use for the word of god is divine re revelation because all that we, what we have all that is all that exists is because god revealed himself because god spoke because we believe uh, our christianity is a, a revelatory religion that uh, it is not made up of some people uh, uh, people suffered through their meditation through their findings or through their philosophies but it is because god initiated it god spoke and because god revealed himself and uh, we we come to know that he is god and then we we began to follow him so that's the entire history of the monotheistic faith even when we look at the jewish faith how did they come to know uh, this one true god because god spoke to abraham this is from the from, from god's part that he revealed he communicated himself with us so that self communication of god that's a divine revelation what we call the word of god and these are the three ways that we come to know about that revelation that self communication of god through sacred tradition sacred scripture scripture and the magisterium the teaching authority of the church why catholic uh, church uh, holds such a position because this is what we learned from jesus this was the approach of jesus and secondly uh, our uh, elder brothers in faith jewish people this was the approach of the jewish people so Uh, this is why we we learn from them from, from both from jesus as well as jewish people and as we go through the the rest of the uh, uh, points uh, you you see that these two uh, two thing two uh, approaches of jesus and the jewish people repeatedly uh, included so let uh, we will have more time to talk about uh, of this both so let's go to the tradition so the first uh, element of the word of god traditions so now why tradition is very important because uh, uh, the christian community is uh, an organic community it is uh, it is uh, a community always grow and develop and uh, the continuing action of the holy spirit so the holy spirit is the life giving spirit and it continues to work within the community of faithful so the holy spirit the one who inspires people to write scripture and also he himself is the one who inspired us to live that faith that we see in the scripture so the uh, the community of faith is always under the guidance of the holy spirit from the day one to 
uh, till the end. So traditions are very important because they are inspired by the spirit and we live by his guidance, we live that faith. So the traditions are, are very important uh, in the life of the church. And uh, secondly, uh, Jesus primarily established community of disciples to live and teach others what they had learned from him. So in, in other words, Jesus did not write something and hand it over, but he, uh, especially when you look at all the gospels, the ending portions when Jesus was commissioning his disciples to go out and preach the good news and baptize and join everyone, every nation, you know, uh, into this uh, Christian fall, Jesus was, uh, he, this was his command that teach others what, uh, what I have uh, taught you. So. Uh, Jesus' uh, primary uh, uh, aim was to establish this community who live what he preached. And then uh, uh, later, the community needed to re recall or remember. Uh, that's when uh, the, the importance of writing down all these traditions came, which we have in the scripture now. So even before the written word of God came into scene, uh, people lived and celebrated their faith. And that was expressed in communal worship. So even before, in both Old Testament and also in the New, in the, in the Jewish people are also in the Christian people, even before things, the materials were written down in the sacred scripture, people lived their faith. And uh, so, and that was through the traditions, you know, through the oral traditions, or through the celebrations, or through the festivals, they handed down from generation to generation. And uh, the, the writing of the materials came quite late uh, in the history of both of these Jewish and Christian traditions. The passing of one matter of faith was through the teaching of either the apostles and those who were appointed by the apostles. So there was a clear uh, a beginning point of, of our faith, which is the foundation, uh, that is the apostolic foundation. And so this, uh, uh, initially, the, uh, when we look at the infant church, they gathered around the apostles uh, for the breaking of the bread and also to hear from them what they have to teach about Christ and their life. So uh, the apostles passed that, uh, initially through the teaching, which was an oral tradition. And as I said, the need for to write down the life and teaching of Jesus was to enhance the life of faith and its continuity. In other words, the, the scripture was written down uh, for the tradition to continue. In other words, the traditions gave birth to scriptures uh, in, in some sense. And again, when we look at our elder brothers in faith, Jewish people, they always had traditions uh, in the in the first place, and then in order to attest something, they will look at this uh, uh, written uh, word of God, and uh, so they always had the traditions. And when you look at uh, the gospel, uh, in every gospel you can see that Jesus is speaking about you know the tradition of the elders. And one point when he was sort of refuting uh, the practice, the mere practices of the out outer layers of the traditions, he was he was mentioning about you know the paying the tithe and all he was saying you, know, you should you could you 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 have to maintain that but not forgetting the most important things so he was not totally against even the small traditions uh, but he was saying that uh, we can't never live in an uh, sort of a peripheral kind of uh, uh, life in faith you have to live from the core so in other words jesus also uh, had a place in his heart for tradition now when we uh, say tradition in the catholic church uh, we sort of divide that into two. We said capital T tradition and T, a small T traditions. Uh, so capital T traditions uh, pretty much is that uh, 
this is the we can sort of trace the direct link back to the life or teaching of jesus that uh, that are handed down by the apostles and this tradition they this has got the deposit of faith in other words it carries the cream of christian faith so like the scripture it is uh, inspired by the inspired by the holy spirit and it has got that uh, cream what we call the core of our christian faith that we should live that we should pray uh, that we should uh, celebrate and worship so this has got that so this tradition uh, because it carries that cream of christian uh, faith and life it cannot be changed that uh, it is that uh, it keeps everything in unity so it cannot be changed for the small tree traditions uh, so for example the, the for the capital t tradition the tradition is this uh, example is the sacraments because we can trace back that is that uh, uh, that it is handed down from christ through the apostles and we can trace back the origin of it uh, in the life of uh, or teaching of christ and this this tradition uh, and the sacred scripture we call it as there are the two wellsprings of god's self-communication which i mentioned earlier divine revelation the god's uh, speech god speaking to us so these are the two ways god spoke to the history to the humanity the tradition and the scripture so they are the two wellsprings of god's self-communication so they are they always work hand in hand i i mentioned that already both the scripture and the tradition are inspired by the same spirit so the small t traditions these are the customs and the rituals that help us to express and participate in the earlier mentioned the tradition uh, sort of fully and beautifully so it sort of enhanced the beauty of christian mysteries and uh, these uh, could change their shape or structure even sometimes it can disappear uh, uh, or give way to subsequent uh, traditions that might come because uh, you know the, the humanity is growing also the christian community always uh, are in touch with uh, the moving world so uh, the customs and rituals uh, are the small and also the all the devotions you know um uh, saying rosary and all it's all comes under small tea traditions uh they are to to enhance uh, our life in christ especially to to give more beauty and structure to the the earlier mentioned the tradition so saying rosary or after expressions of liturgical celebration you know the colors we use or the festivals or the other pious activities or even the structure uh, sometimes so these are the small uh, tea traditions and uh, this could develop or even change so this is a, a quote from pope uh, uh, pope benedict uh, while he was giving a catechism uh, in 2016 so this uh, this uh, the, these are his words so thanks to tradition guaranteed by the ministry of the apostles and their successors the water of life that flowed from the side of christ and his saving blood comes to the women and men of all times in this way tradition is permanent presence of the savior so the tradition is the living presence of christ permanently in his community in the community of his in other words his his body the church so who comes to meet redeem and sanctify us in the, in the spirit through the ministry of his church for the glory of the father so that sort of summarizes all i spoke about tradition and the sacred scriptures uh, they are the um, uh, the written word of god and as i said uh, the, the, this uh, this is the jewish sort of position on the scripture when god gave moses torah it was black fire on white fire in other words so all the written words that you see in a book 
you know, they are in, in ink, either black or red. And in between uh, the letters and the verses and the, uh, and the paragraphs, you see the white space. So for a Jew, uh, what you see in letters or in figures in, in different inks, they are the black fire and the space of the page uh, that holds all these uh, figures. They are the white fire. In other words, uh, the scripture is what God uh, spoke. And uh, so the, the, the letters or the, the figures, they express what God uh, spoke to humanity in human language. But uh, we have to understand more. In other words, there are more things that God has spoken, which is also in silently in, those, uh, in that white space. So the scripture is a complete word of God, but uh, uh, it is written on the, that white space. In other words, uh, it is uh, written on the traditions uh, of the lived experience of the community of faith. So the, the, when you look at Bible, you know that so we have these both fires in the scripture itself, the, the black fires and also the, the white fire. And uh, so the written word of God, definitely inspired by the Holy Spirit. And uh, so uh, this is from the uh, divine uh, uh, Dei Verbum, which is the dogmatic constitution of uh, Second Vatican Council. And we also we see that in the Bible, uh, in the uh, in St. Paul's letter to Timothy, in the second letter to Timothy, that all scripture is divinely inspired and has its use of teaching the truth and refuting error for the formation of manners and discipline in right living so that the man who belongs to God may be efficient and equipped for good work of every kind. So the, uh, the word of God uh, written in human words, uh, it is definitely the word of God, but written in human words. In other words, uh, the human conditions, uh, the, the, the author, the one who was writing, or the, those authors who were writing, uh, their human existence, uh, their, their human conditions, their culture, their language, uh, the science they knew, and uh, uh, the community that they were writing all this material to, and all influenced in writing this word. So uh, all those human elements are also included in writing the word of God. So since God speaks uh, in sacred scriptures, uh, through men in human fashion. So, therefore, it needs to be interpreted with the help of a teaching authority. That's what we call magisterium, which we'll look at it later. The interpreter of the, which is the, the, the teaching authority of the scripture, should carefully investigate what meaning the sacred, script, script, sacred writers really intended. In other words, what was their intention when they were, when, uh, they were writing? And each, each and every verse that was written in the scripture, the, uh, the, what we call, uh, the author had a theological intention, or what we call a theological trajectory behind it, that he wanted to communicate a message that was inspired uh, uh, by uh, the Holy Spirit uh, to a particular community uh, going through a particular historical situation. So we have to analyze that, what was that, what the, re what the really intended meaning of, uh, of that written uh, material in the scripture. And, uh, yeah, as I said, the living, the time, context, living situations of the real author and his community that nobody uh, ever wrote anything just to, to keep to himself or herself, but uh, it, it was addressing a particular community. So we had to look at the, 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 the historical situation of that community and who are primary, and they were the primary audience of that written text. And we had to consider that uh, while we uh, learn and also while we teach the scripture. So that's from the dogmatic constitution of on divine revelation, uh, divine revelation which is called in Latin um, Dei Verbum, 
paragraph 12. Look at, looking at magisterium, we already spoke about the teaching authority of the church. And uh, when we look at the Old Testament, Moses was the absolute teaching authority of Torah. In other words, the, the, the first form of the Bible, first form of the scripture. And he is the teacher. That's why one point Jesus said, because Pharisees and uh, uh, scribes, they sit on the throne of Moses, listen to them, but never imitate their life. In other words, uh, they, have, they, are, they are sharing that one teaching authority of Moses, so you have to respect the teaching authority, but never imitate their lives. And uh, so in uh, Gospels, when we come to, in all the Gospels, Jesus is presented as a new Moses and also Torah in flesh at the same time. Uh, so uh, teaching authority in Jesus is also uh, clearly established in the Gospels uh, while we read through the pages of the Gospels. And uh, so the, the teaching authority, the magisterium of the church is modeled after uh, both Christ and uh, the Jewish tradition, uh, looking at the way they respected the, the teaching authority. And the magisterium, John Henry Newman, uh, now he's a saint, he uses an image of an umpire or referee in a game. Uh, that gives a living voice of interpretation here and now that every player knows uh, the, knows his rules but uh, everyone needs an umpire who sort of brings that together for a particular time and uh, place that in order to give uh, give a living voice now and here and now so the magisterium the teaching authority of the church uh, sort of acts as a referee or an umpire giving uh, a living voice uh, in, uh, in that given time now we come to our uh, so i was giving all this uh, background uh, for the sola scriptura now we are entering into our, uh, our real topic sort of we are sort of unfolding the sola scriptura and try to understand and also um, how it is uh, limited or uh, how it is uh, is not uh, sufficient uh, in living a christian faith so before that um, any comments uh, if you have you can sort of Comments, questions, queries? Just, uh, one question that we had was, yep. um, what is the role of the Catechism of the Catholic Church and how does it play in all of this or what you've just previously mentioned? Okay, uh, very good, good question. Our role of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the, the, uh, so I was speaking about our faith, you know, the Christian faith. So the, the entire Catechism of the Catholic Church is divided into four. Uh, it is uh, uh, the Christian faith, um, Christian faith believed what we believe, Christian faith uh, celebrated what we celebrate, uh, in other words, the liturgy, or the, uh, or the worship, in public worship. So Christian faith uh, uh, believed, Christian faith celebrated, Christian faith lived our moral life, you know, how to live, and also Christian life prayed, the importance of prayer. So the, the whole catechism is divided according to the, into these four categories when you look at the whole catechism of the church. And so, but uh, um, as I said, you know, the, the scripture and the tradition uh, is sort of explained in sort of a, a common man's uh, language, very simple in simple terms, uh, well-structured. It, it enhances our understanding of both scripture and tradition and also gives an idea how to, how to believe what we believe, how to celebrate what we believe, how to uh, um, 
live what we believe and how to pray what we believe. So um, the, the role of the Catholic, uh, the, it acts as an, a, a, a guide or a, what we call, uh, yeah, it acts as an, a guide or an interpreter. You know, it bring, brings down or it breaks, opens both the word of God as well as the tradition. Is that good? Yeah, thanks, Achar. So we go to this uh, point. The sola scriptura limits uh, the understanding of divine action in the history uh, because of following reasons. So I'll go through all of them first, uh, then I'll come back to the reasons, okay? Um, and uh, I don't know how I'm going with the time. Yeah, so let's go through that. Uh, first, uh, I'll go through all the reasons and I'll come back to that. Uh, so the first one, the sola scriptura is not taught in the Bible, in the scripture itself. I'll come back to that. Secondly, the word of God refers to oral teaching also. And the, uh, in the third position, the Bible calls the church and not the Bible, uh, the church as the pillar and the ground of, uh, ground of truth, not the Bible itself. And fourth, Jesus and Paul accepted non-biblical and oral written traditions. Uh, and uh, the apostles exercised authority at the Council of Jerusalem. And Old Testament Jews did not believe in Sola Scriptura. And uh, Paul casually assumes that his passed down tradition is infallible and uh, binding. The first Christians did not have a Bible. And multiple representations of Sola Scriptura is in itself a self-contradiction. And so we go back to the first one. Yeah. So the Sola Scriptura is not, in other words, uh, Scripture alone is the, the foundation or what we call the fundamental uh, guide of truth or the standard of truth that we cannot see literally written in the, in the scripture itself. Uh, the one, uh, the proof text for the Sola Scriptura that uh, those who hold that position take from uh, Second Timothy chapter three, verses 16 to 17. And uh, um, the quote that I added there is from John Henry Newman. And uh, maybe let's go through that. It is quite evident that this passage furnishes no argument, whatever that the sacred scripture without tradition is the sole rule of faith. For all those the sacred scripture is profitable for these four ends, still it is not said to be sufficient. The apostle requires the aid of tradition. Moreover, the apostle here refers to scripture which Timothy was taught in his infancy. Now, a good part of the New Testament was not written in his boyhood. Some of the Catholic epistles were not written even when St. Paul wrote this, and none of the books of the New Testament were then placed on the canon of the scripture books. He refers then to the scripture of the Old Testament, and if the argument from this passage proved anything, it would prove too much that the scriptures of New Testament were not necessary for a rule of faith. So pretty much uh, John Henry Newman was saying that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, Second Timothy, uh, um, uh, Paul was instructing Timothy, and he said, the scripture is inspired by, by the word of God for, for correction and for encouragement, you know, if you know that passage. And uh, so that's the sort of a proof text for, uh, for all those who hold this position, sola, uh, uh, sola Scriptura. 
and uh, and John Henry Newman says when Paul was writing to Timothy, uh, ex uh, the Old Testament books were already in place uh, in the in the community of faith, but the, the, a lot of the New Testament books were not written then. So which uh, text that or which uh, which was in Paul's mind the scripture? If Paul my, uh, was mentioning only about the Old Testament, uh, how can we consider the New Testament books, which came quite later into this category of sola scripture or even into the, into the category of, of uh, scripture? So um, that's the first uh, uh, sort of uh, um, uh, counterpoint that John Henry Newman, and we take it as a standard to defend uh, against the sola, uh, sola scriptura. Uh, and uh, so let's go to the second one. So. All I was saying, the sola scriptura is not in verse by verse or in, in any way. Uh, in the, we can see uh, in the Bible, but uh, we see some passages might say that uh, uh, refer uh, to the to the uh, written tradition or to the scriptures, or uh, just uh, learn it uh, or just encourage one another with the scripture. We can see similar kind of passages, but we can never see uh, the scripture itself speaks about as the foundational text. And the word of God refers to oral teachings also. So uh, we see that in the uh, in the Old Testament, in, in the book of Jeremiah, that uh, uh, he was the Lord was saying that I declared to them, I spoke to them, but you never listened to my words. In other words, uh, the 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 word of God was spoke, uh, spoken, but we can never see the, that it was written and uh, uh, proclaimed to them, but it was spoken, and the spoken word of God. Uh, is also important uh, in the life of faith. And when you receive, this is from First Thessalonians, when, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, so hearing is very important, you accepted it, not as a word of men, but as it is really the word of God. So in other words, the words uh, matters, that the, the oral tradition that matters, uh, the passing of the word, uh, word of God uh, through the oral tradition uh, is uh, uh, we need to consider that they are very important, and a lot of traditions are verbally uh, uh, handed down from uh, generation to generation. And again, one other passage that is uh, um, uh, about the, with the tradition that uh, you received from us. So it is not only the word that um, that uh, people received from the apostles, but also the tradition. Uh, the Bible calls the church and not the uh, the church as the pillar and ground of truth. Uh, it's quite uh, um, um, strange that Bible never uh, or calls itself as the pillar, pillar and ground of the truth. So uh, this is from First uh, uh, Timothy uh, chapter three, fifteen, and that Paul was uh, away and he was sort of saying that uh, if I am delayed, you will know how the people ought to conduct themselves in God's household which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church is, according to Paul, is the foundation of truth and the pillar of truth, uh, not the written word of God itself. And Jesus Christ established authoritative and teaching church, which was commissioned to teach all nations, which we see uh, in, uh, in every gospel at the uh, end portion of it, when Jesus was commissioning his disciples to go out and preach uh, to the nation. So these are the, all the texts uh, um, that, uh, uh, and I'm quite happy to share uh, my notes with you uh, through email or some other means. Uh, so let's go to the other one. Jesus and Paul accepted non-biblical oral 
unwritten traditions uh, from both Old Testament and also from what they heard from the from others. So uh, the reference, he shall be called a Nazarene cannot be found in anywhere in the Old Testament, but it was spoken by the prophets, which we see in the gospel. So sometimes when the gospel writers, when they were writing, they also accepted some spoken or the oral traditions. And uh, that was not written down in the uh, actual Torah or in other Jewish books. And uh, yes, uh, as I said, because they sit on the on on Moses or seat of on the throne of Moses, so you need to respect them. That uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, they have a legitimate binding authority, uh, but never imitated their moral life. That was the only thing. But Jesus respected their teaching authority. Now. Uh, in Corinthians, uh, Paul refers to rock, follow, rock that followed the Jews, Jews through the uh, Sinai wilderness, the 40 years of their Exodus journey in the wilderness. The Old Testament says nothing about such miraculous movement, but uh, some rabbinic uh, traditions uh, does, which we can see some of the Qumran scrolls, which was later uh, discovered in 1947, uh, so many years after all these books were written. Uh, so um, Paul also in his letters, uh, some other places, sometimes he quotes from the traditions, from the rabbinic or Jewish traditions, not actually from the Bible or the scripture itself, Old Testament scripture itself. And so there are some other similar quotes. Uh, perhaps uh, uh, I can give you the notes and you can read for yourself. The apostles exercised authority at the Council of Jerusalem. Uh, and that's also uh, based on tradition that uh, um, um, in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 15, uh, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what is strangled and from unchastity. In other words, uh, uh, the, they were saying that this is seemed to good to the Holy Spirit and to us. In other words, the Spirit was the guiding principle, the driving force of the church, and uh, they were listening to the Spirit. In other words, they were, the Spirit was, or his action was quite active, and apostles uh, uh, really understood what the Spirit really wants. So it was not based on any scripture, uh, but uh, it was uh, of that living tradition, that Spirit guiding uh, principle that uh, they made this uh, um, uh, this decision uh, in the council, the first council in Jerusalem. And uh, the, another one, they delivered to them the uh, four observance, the decisions which had been reached by the apostles and elders who were at Jerusalem. And uh, the, we can never see there was a, a scriptural kind of uh, underpinning of all the decisions they took. And Old Testament Jews did not believe in Sola Scripture, as I said. And they really considered the, the tradition of elders uh, paramount important uh, in, in their uh, life of faith. And uh, is, for example, you see that uh, uh, after the exile, Babylonian exile uh, in 587 BC, um, that uh, the time the Jews were coming back to their land, it was Ezra the high priest made one week long reading of the scripture. And uh, so you, we see that that people, um, uh, priests and scribes studied the Jewish law and taught it to Israel. And his authority was binding under the pain of imprisonment, banishment, loss of goods, and even death. 
So you can see that in the book of uh, uh, Ezra, chapter 7 and 26. And in Nehemiah, Ezra reads the law of Moses to the people, and that was one uh, whole week. And it was uh, the 13 Levites assisted Ezra and helped the people to understand the law. Uh, and uh, because there was a teaching body uh, that, were trying, uh, that was trying to explain all that the, the people heard and explain to them. And it was not only Ezra, but also the Levites, so those were well-versed in the, in the scriptures. So there was a, a teaching body present. And uh, so you can see a lot of uh, passages uh, that um, uh, the, um, the uh, importance of or what we call a coexistence of tradition when we, when we analyze uh, the scripture. And since we don't have enough time, I'm going to the next point. Paul uh, casually assumes that his uh, passed down tradition is infallible. Infallible means that it is uh, erroneous, that it can, cannot be uh, erroneous and it can never go wrong. So this, was, uh, this, is, uh, this is what he said uh, in the uh, letter to Thessalonians, the second letter to Thessalonians. If anyone refutes to obey what we say in this letter, note that man and have nothing to do with him, that he may be uh, ashamed, sort of a hard take on him. Take note of those who create dissensions and difficulties in opposition to the doctrine which you have been which you have been taught and avoid them. Paul, and the, yes, and the next point, the first Christians did not have a Bible, which is quite clear that uh, the first uh, gospel was uh, written around after uh, um, AD 40. And before that we had Christianity and they lived. And uh, so, um, and also all these, lot of uh, materials as we have this complete Bible, what we call this, uh, uh, the the Bible that we have now, uh, it took uh, thousands of years to come into come in come into its full shape, and so the Christian community and also the Jewish communities earlier, they lived a long uh, period of time without the written uh, word of God, but uh, the uh, the word of God definitely uh, um, handed down from generation to generation either by oral traditions or festivals or celebrations and the customs and the rituals they had. So in the same way, the first Christians also did not have the complete Bible what we have now, uh, but still they lived their faith, uh, they, uh, they professed it, they believed it, they lived it, they celebrated and also they worshiped. And now those who hold, the, uh, especially the Protestantism, uh, those who hold that position, sola scriptura, which is the scripture alone matters. Uh, and when we look at them, they have now so many different denominations. All come from one, this one slogan, Sola Scriptura or Sola Fidei or Sola Gracia, but uh, now they can't agree on one. So that's why even that Protestant uh, uh, Reformation, all those who born out of, the, out of that denominations, born out of the Pro Protestant Reformation, uh, they are now divided in between themselves. That uh, if, uh, if scripture is the, the foundational text, how could uh, people interpret that in different way? And uh, there exist uh, a, a wide variety of different denominations. So the multiple representation of that slogan or sola scriptura, and we have that now. So it's in itself is a self contradiction. Uh, the, it's a circular position, and uh, we see that you know there is no not one particular denomination of 
Protestantism, but uh, there are many, and they also uh, uh, are divided that uh, they cannot agree, uh, and they are not agreeably united on one particular matter of doctrine. And each hold uh, a position for themselves uh, based on their own uh, individual interpretations. So how that is possible if the written word of God is the, the standard of truth. And when I was uh, sort of saying all these uh, um, nine um, things to consider when we look at the Sola Scriptura or the nine uh, um, points to debunk uh, the Sola Scriptura, uh, I was not trying to undermine uh, the, the, uh, the importance of scripture in Catholic's life. And we Catholics have to a bit more eager in learning uh, scripture, which uh, uh, at the moment and for centuries are quite poor that we don't take scripture uh, quite serious and we don't read it in a holistic way. That uh, holistic way, what I meant was to read the scripture with our mind, our, our, our soul, that, you know, that, and prayerfully. So ne you need to read with your imagination. You need to pray the scripture and also you need to study the scripture. And uh, we have to find time for that. And because uh, the written word of God definitely inspired by the Holy Spirit, and when it is in the community of faithful, that is us, in the community of faith, it is uh, it, it has got its impact, and definitely it is uh, the spoken word of God written in our language. But uh, uh, we need to uh, to sort of uh, the, the the book of the scripture is uh, it's like we go to a, an ocean, you know, from the outset, what you see is uh, nothing but the surface of the ocean. But to see the magnificence of the ocean, you need to delve into it. And we Catholics are not that good at delving into the, the scripture, and we need to do that. And um, so that's all I have to say. And uh, I hope, yes, uh, have some time left for questions. And you can either comment or make questions. Thank you, Acha. So we did receive a few questions. Um, so I'll just start asking them. So the first one was, can we honestly say that in our Sarah Malabar church, we are led in the same way the early church was in terms of walking according to the spirit of God? Or have we become too focused on traditions and strayed away from the relationship aspect of our faith like the Jews did when Jesus came to them? They failed to see God right in front of their eyes and justified their blindness by citing their traditions. What can we do in order to bring back the importance of relationship with Christ, especially for the youth who have gone astray and pay no heed to tradition. Mm, excellent. Um, well, can we honestly say that? Um, my answer will be uh, no, and also yes. Uh, down through the could you put that uh, question once again? Sorry, Bob, what was that? Okay, no, no, yeah, good. No, no, I just want to see that question again. And uh, yes, uh, do we are so much for obsessed with the uh, uh, traditions? Uh, um, I think uh, that's that should leave some room for every individual in the church uh, for a, a self-evaluation rather than making a common uh, comment. Um, that uh, at the moment I can't make a common comment on that. Like, uh, but uh, including myself, I think I should also visit my own uh, individual position. Mm -hmm on how I relate that. Do I sometimes give more, uh, more importance to traditions uh, than the spirit of God? If, if so, I have to correct myself. So that's a question that, um, 
that should uh, i think that's everyone in the church uh, despite of their rank or positions or uh, their uh, places uh, they should ask themselves and uh, and some uh, evidences are there this happens but at the same time some evidences are there that people those who really want to leave their faith especially after all this charismatic uh, movements and uh, a lot of uh, uh, renewal happening in the life of the church so so many people are committed to their faith they want to live uh, and uh, to be uh, they want to be uh, inspired by the spirit they want to attune their ears uh, to the spirit and to live according to the inspirations of the holy spirit and there are a lot so many people and uh, uh, from all walks of the uh, church and at the same time we can see some failings as well uh, so we cannot uh, blind our eyes against it so i think uh, uh, i cannot give a very um, objective answer on that uh, yes uh, sometimes uh, uh, some uh, more focus can be given on traditions and uh, you know that uh, that can take us away from the core or the heart of uh, of the tradition you know, jesus himself was uh, as i mentioned earlier he was saying that you know uh, you have to practice this but without uh, losing the most important things so i think the, that uh, that should uh, that question should be asked by everyone and uh, so it, it's a question for self evaluation uh, for the for the different groups different peoples and even the individuals that's the best answer i can give on that but very good question and i think that's a valid point and it can um, uh, it can raise questions and it can uh, leave room for everyone to uh, to think on that Thank you, Charles. We have two more questions. Yes. So the next one it says, uh, the word of God says the Holy Spirit is the teacher of all truth. Mm. So why would we need a magisterium to teach scripture if the Holy Spirit is dwelling with all believers? Excellent. Um, good on that, uh, the one who asked that question. Um, we including in the scripture itself we see the spirit uses the teachers uh, to explain the truth spirit is the uh, the source of the truth and he is the active agent of the truth but uh, for the com- community to hear something uh, the spirit needs a human audible voice that's why he needs uh, uh, somebody uh, is uh, is uh, set apart and consecrated for that job for example when we look at the acts of the apostles so that uh, episode of ethiopian chariot you know that uh, eunuch of uh, uh, who worked for queen of ethiopia and he was in his chariot and he was reading this uh, scripture uh, the from the prophet isaiah and uh, he did not understand it so the spirit the holy spirit asked one of the apostles philip just go down and uh, go to this direction and you see this person and uh, tell him um, that and he asked did you understand anything he said no and it was the apostle who explained it but he was led by the spirit so the spirit uses the teachers to to um to instruct the faithful that's why teaching authority and also uh, jesus uh, established this uh, peter's teaching authority and also uh, apostles you know jesus his command was go and teach others what i have taught you in other words uh, the teaching authority was established by jesus definitely the holy spirit and that's why those who are in authority they have to always maintain a good prayer life to listen to the holy spirit then only they can lead the people in truth 
so the spirit is definitely the active agent but it also needs a human uh, 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 human what uh, we human agent to proclaim uh, from its truth so spirits needs us uh, sometimes it can we can also a part of that magisterium to our brothers and sisters around us at times of uh, when they go through struggle sometimes spirit uh, encourage or inspire us to speak something and that can change or make an influence uh, an impact in other people's life sometimes spirit uses us also so the spirit uses the community individuals and also the teaching authority uh, um, inspire inspire them and uh, but he needs some human uh, cooperation uh, in doing that is that good yeah thanks Acha. um so we've got two more hopefully we've got time for them um okay. the next one is kind of similar to the previous question we just had um but it is uh, so we've spoken about traditions that were handed down from jewish traditions or during the formation of the early church um, but what about traditions brought in culturally especially like the siramalva traditions and practices and how important is that yes uh those traditions as i mentioned they enhance the beauty of the, that one tradition that has got the cream of faith and those, uh, the, the, that's the beauty of the gospel. Wherever it went, uh, it did not want to change the culture, but it adapted some elements from that culture. And so some, that's, all these traditions can emerge, and some traditions might disappear or develop into something else. Uh, that's part of uh, you know, the, the church's uh, practical way of uh, living that, that tradition, you know, that, uh, the tradition that has got the foundational element, the tradition that is quite equivalent to the, the scriptures. And uh, this, uh, this kind of small traditions and the customs and traditions, uh, uh, they are to enhance the beauty or, the, uh, or give some practical guidance or uh, make it more convenient or make it more appealing uh, to the, to the uh, faithful of, uh, of a given time. I haven't spoken about a lot about Surah Malabar traditions and practices. I think there will be a time, uh, a particular seminar on that. Uh, but uh, uh, those uh, traditions, Sura Malabar traditions and practices, definitely God's finger in, is on that, and uh, uh, and perhaps you can de uh, dwell on that more when you go through such topics. I, I'm sure there are some topics to address uh, Sura Malabar traditions and practices. And uh, so th at this point, this is the best I can answer. Um, 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 Jewish traditions and the, yes, the formation of a early church. Um, uh, the beauty of the tradition and uh, when we look at even god sometimes asks people to hand down the tradition you know especially when we look at the book of exodus when the passover was being uh, celebrating uh, the, the god said you have to celebrate this every year and your next generation will ask why are you celebrating this then you have to tell them this is how god with his right hand delivered them from the hand of egypt and brought them to the promised land so in other words every celebration is is uh, is meant to hand down some traditions, you know, to keep that memory alive, keep that tradition alive. Um, so that's all I can say. Thank you, Chan. We just have one last question. Yep. It's just to clear up something. Uh, the question was, what does it mean uh, sola scriptura is self-contradiction? What does it mean sola scriptura? No, no. What I said was the multiple uh, representation of those who holding the so, uh, sola scriptura is a um, 
self contradiction in itself in other words if the scripture the written word of god is the standard of truth everyone has to obey by that uh, you can see different uh, denominations of those who follow that sola scriptura and uh, how could that one standard truth could be divided and differently interpreted if there is one standard of truth so they themselves implicitly uh, divided in that way i'm not saying about one particular denomination but all those who are born from the same stream all those who hold uh, the same opinion but how could they exist differently uh, with the different uh, ideologies or even theology so i am not saying sola scriptura itself is a self contradiction multiple representations of those who hold sola scriptura is a self contradiction in itself what is the reason that there is no active emphasis on outreach in the sierra malabar church as opposed to the protestants and other denominations who go out to preach on street corners and bring uh, i wouldn't particularly mention about sierra malabar church because sierra malabar church is still part of the universal church and uh, it's a good question that's not only for sierra malabar church even for uh, for the entire universal catholic church should ask that question about uh, individual people the our courage are we uh, courageous enough to uh, give jesus to others which is a good question but i do not want to particularly pinpoint one uh, one particular um, right of the church but uh, it's not only for the suramalaba church but it's for uh, for uh, the entire universal church should ask that question uh, are we courageous enough to do what the and i comment the protestants and other denominations they are very courageous to give jesus to others and that's what i said you know we catholics also should take scripture quite seriously we need to study we need to dwell uh, and we need to uh, investigate and uh, uh, deepen ourselves uh, in the scripture and we have to give that to others thank you sir there's one more question do we have time for that sure okay on answer sir okay so that's that's the final question and thank you for those who asked those questions and this one so are the protestant churches really led by the true spirit of god and uh, the spirit of god is given to anybody who uh, uh, confess the confess that jesus is christ and uh, so this um, at this point i, I cannot uh, um, say that the spirit of god um, is exclusively for catholic church uh, the spirit of god is uh, is for everyone and the spirit of god can work with uh, anyone who confess the name of jesus and uh, so that's uh, and even the protestant churches really uh, at times uh, led by the spirit of god and uh, they still do and that's why you know that um, uh, the spirit can as jesus said it can blow to any direction it can do its own actions so uh, definitely uh, the protestant churches can uh, led by the true spirit of god and also the catholic church and but uh, we maintain that position that uh, the spirit of god is the active agent of uh, of our life and that's why we as i said the traditions are very important because he is uh, he keeps the church as a living organism organism yes and that's it thank you and thank you all i hope uh, i made myself quite clear uh, and if not in the i think i have few more lectures i'll be more care careful in slowing down and making it more clear is that all Thank, thank you very much, Acha. Thank you for uh, taking your time today and, and joining in and kind of breaking it down for us. Um, and on that note, thank you again, everyone, for joining. Especially thank you, Father Bajji, for joining in today and kind of 
sharing a bit of your time with us. And I hope you all have a wonderful night. Thank you, everyone.